computer. <clears throat> Good morning and welcome to Raise the Bar, the Sky High and Fly Jump Camps podcast. My name is Troy Haynes and my guest this morning is Jonina Brinson. Hi, Jonina. Hello. Jonina's joining us from Europe in Washington, correct? Yes. Yeah, well, so I, I was, uh, we were just talking, just getting to meet here a second ago, and um, I saw Jonina's work um, a little bit on her Instagram page, and um, just uh, touched base with her on it. We, uh, I'm always looking for drills and, you know, looking for athletes and stuff that they do in their training and, and different coaches and trainers and I'm trying to get nutritionists on here. I'm trying to get, you know, sports psychologists, any anybody and and anyone that has any kind of an association to, you know, jumping, track and field performance. Um, it doesn't have to be limited to that, obviously, but um, that's kind of the point of view we have here. And I saw a unique drill um, by your you, I'm assuming, and your coach working with you with your jumpers. And um, that's what got me going. So um Jonina, give us a little bit about your your background. How did you get going in track and field? Were you uh, uh, did you do more than one sport in high school when you started? How early did you start? I know there's a lot of questions all at once. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm originally from Georgia, and growing up, I was all about sports. Like my dad and mom, they would always take me outside and just kind of show me different sports and kind of let me experience at the recreational level. So uh, in high school, I did five sports. It was track and field, basketball, volleyball, softball, and then tennis. Wow. And so coming out of high school, it's like, oh, I want to do basketball. But track and field kind of pulled me a little bit harder because, you know, for team but also individual aspect and so it had life lessons in it so um if I didn't give my all at practice I wasn't going to get the marks I wanted and that kind of just helped me kind of go through life with the positive self-talk and knowing what's needed to kind of get the job done so um out of high school I went to Bruton Parker but then I transferred to University of Mobile uh with coach Andy Kanajita and he actually helped me get into coaching because there I was doing long jump, triple jump, high jump, and 100, 200, some sprints. So kind of the sprinter jumper crossover. And I actually started loving coaching because I was the only transfer. Everyone else was a freshman or first year. And so I kind of had to step up and just help coach, coach the team. And so uh, with that, I just kind of grew a passion for it. And so from there, graduated and then went to Bethune-Cookman. And that kind of started my grad assistant coaching. Uh -huh. And then um, I was originally working with guys, and then I was able to go to open jumps with coach Tariq Price. And then from there, I was like, okay, my grad assistant is over. I need to kind of find my way into the coaching world. Like now it's time to look for an assistant position. And so I'd always told myself I wanted to become a head, but I didn't know when the timing would be. And so Moved to Iowa. Yes, the little Southern girl made the big jump across. So moved to Iowa. Uh, I was a assistant for about three months and then the head coach left. And then I quickly threw my name in. I think I was interim for about a month and a half. And then I was named the head track and field coach. And so um, at first I was working with jumps, multi sprints, hurdles, because, you know, the head coach had left, I was the assistant, and then I was able to bring Karan Stewart in, 
And then we kind of helped the team blossom. Um, I got my first first year. She was a first year and she won long jump. And that was amazing. Um, and then from there, coach Aaron Tucker called me and now I'm at Eastern. So here I coach the multis and the open jumps. Um, I do write the workouts for pole vault as well as jab, but it's been amazing so far. Wow. Yeah, that's a, a lot of work in a short time. Um you didn't waste any time getting going on the track and field career. We're, uh, we're coming at it kind of from different angles. Um, I think I'm thinking back. Uh, I, I didn't realize that I would have this much passion for coaching track and field. And I actually did start it relatively quickly after I graduated. Um, I didn't officially do a graduate coaching thing, but I was kind of helping some of the decathletes right, right after I finished. And then I, um, you know, started coaching at a junior college, but everything was just kind of like, I was just going along. And we've had this talk before here on, on Raise the Bar, but uh, I was still trying to compete, you know, still trying to get to the trials. Um, that was one of my goals. And so I was coaching. I was, I wasn't doing anything with my degree. Um, my mom and, and uh, my family were probably pulling their hair out a little bit. Cause I was just that, that athlete that, I didn't really know how to go about where I was trying to go. You know, it was like, okay, so I had odd jobs and, you know, this coaching stipend at the junior college, which was nothing. I mean, like $2,500 for the season, you know, and um, some waiting tables and living in an apartment, you know, and still training. And, you know, the roadmap mm -hmm. isn't really that clear over here. So I took a long ways about that. And it really was my, a high jumping career. Once that was over, I started to get a, a real job. See, and I, that's, that's where mm -hmm. I take myself. I mean, I, I, in a way I took the cheaper route or the cheap, not cheaper, the um, safer route and went, I'm going to go to teaching, which, uh -huh. you know, paid the bills better, but you know, I didn't take the long road yeah. down coaching, you know? And so I, I admire you for for taking that step and just kind of sticking by your guns and, you know, slow, you know, it looks like you pretty quickly have, have risen the ranks. Are you still, you got a taste of the head coaching job there at Iowa. Now, now you're an assistant again. Are you still looking for that, that prime, you know, head coach job somewhere that comes along? Um, Eventually. Yes. Because I was at Buena Vista university as a D three. And so it kind of helped going to the division one level because I knew I needed that uh, scholarship opportunity. And so it was at different levels. And right now I'm enjoying the assistant position, but eventually I will like to get back to that head. But um, to me, it's just all helping the student athletes and kind of helping them develop into the individuals they want to be. So um, I'm able to do that now. So probably few more years down the road, I'll start going back and applying for a head coach position. Is there, this is just a curiosity. We're talking University of Houston, big, big Houston, right? Is where you're at now? Is that where? Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Is no, I'm at, I'm you, at Eastern Washington University. How did I get Houston out of there? What, what was I, I heard Houston. I'm a, <laughs> a crack. Okay, so Eastern Washington. All right. Yeah, my brain, for some reason, I heard Houston, and I was like, yeah. I want to talk about Tom Teles. <laughs> like, I haven't ever gotten <laughs> to meet him. So, okay, never mind that. Wipe that out. My brain has been known to hear that it's own. <laughs> I don't think I'm a schizophrenic yet, but okay. Um, so how did you get this 
this incredibly diverse <laughs> background already. I'm I'm looking at it. You know, I was a jumper, and I've had exposure to all the jumps because my coach was a good jumps coach. And then um, I was fortunate enough to watch um, Anthony Curran coach pole vault all the time I was at UCLA. And so I I won't say that I picked up a lot. I, I found it fascinating and interesting, and I'm always watching. Um, and then also got to watch the great John um, Art Venegas coach his thrower shot and disc um, with the great John Brenner, you know, winning shot and disc in 84, you know, getting ready to go to the Olympics. Um, and I've seen John Smith work his magic in the sprints. So I've seen a lot of great stuff, but I've never really gotten to that point where I'm like, I think I'm going to try to do all of these. <laughs> it sounds like you've got sprinters, jumpers, like, you know, you're working with the multis. Um, that's a, a pretty, pretty good background, but I guess that makes sense if you want to be a head coach, right? I think like my approach came from basically my mentors. Like when I was at university of mobile, we didn't have a track. And so we kind of had to improvise on basically long jump. And then, um, I remember we went to a high school one day just so we can actually get to the pit. So it was a lot of drills, hitting position work. Um, when I was at Bethune Cookman, we had a small track. I think it was like 150, but we had all the field events. And uh, Coach Price was telling me, you know, as a jump coach, you can't do everything by the book. You're going to have to do some drills that force them into the position that's going to have them thinking, Coach, what is wrong with you? And so uh, when I moved up to Iowa at Buena Vista University, we had the facilities um, it was just certain things that I needed for drills. And so I had the indoor track, the outdoor track, but it was still make it your own to have the athletes be forced into the position that they're needing to feel. And so um, I kind of took that here with me to Eastern. Um, my group is very young on the women's side. They're all first years. Uh, my men are mostly juniors and seniors. And so with the women, I was just like, you know, dial in I'm going to have you do some stuff that you've never seen before and you're going to think coach you are crazy but once you fill this position you're going to be like okay I got it um some of my drills challenge the mentality because I don't want it to just feel like okay you're doing it right I want you to have that breakthrough knowing that you conquered this drill and that it's more from it than just filling the correct position so um some of them that I post is just for them to see their progress uh, in practice, I video everything so they can see progress. Uh, if we do a drill, um, sometimes I don't name them just because I'll look at their film and I'm like, okay, I need them to hit this position. What drill am I going to create to help them get this position? And so uh, that's kind of how you saw the lean away one. My girls, they were having trouble kind of standing their curve. And mm -hmm. of course I did the U runs, the circle runs and everything. And I was like, I need to break it down even more. Yes. And so I was like, all right, ladies, trust it. We're about to do something new. And it was like, oh my gosh, coach, here we go. So um, Jake, he's my volunteer coach. We have like uh, PVC pipes in our weight room. And I asked, can I borrow one of those in a band? And I was like, basically, this is going to show you the takeoff feature. So uh, Jake stood on the inside and he held the band down with resistance. That's forcing them to lean away because um, if it wasn't resistance, they can just kind of stand up if they want. And so with him pulling, it kind of reinforced, okay, stay away and have that outside shoulder leading. And so it was a two-step that we finished. And then um, I haven't posted this one yet, but the, the next drill that I added was I just put a long line of piece of tape 
going from their takeoff step to show their curve, just so they will know that last step is supposed to be on the same line. Mm -hmm. And so we did the drill like that, but it also, you had reinforced the last step kind of travel the same curve. So um, yeah. they're benefiting from it. I mean, slow progress. So we're still going from it, but yeah, a lot of my drills are just kind of like, looking at film, realizing we need to do something to help us reinforce this position. And that's how we kind of got there. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, when I saw that, because what, what you're talking about is, is the quintessential problem, you know, the, the learning to run a curve. Cause I, I keep telling my kids, I go, look, basketball players and volleyball players generally run in straight lines and they jump straight up. You know, I go, number one, they don't have to worry about twisting backwards and landing on their heads. <laughs> Right. They're going to jump straight up yeah. and then they're going to come down and land on both feet, you know, and, and as a basketball, mm -hmm. player, you know, the last thing in the world you want is somebody coming and cut your legs out from under you while you're in the air, you know, because you don't want to mm -hmm. land your back on the hardwood. So it's like I go, you understand we're talking about a completely different skill set here. When you run at the bar, you have two leans. Not only do you lean mm -hmm. back you know, I try I try to teach heel toe, heel toe like you would to a, even a long jump or a triple yeah. jump, right? You get the heel toe, heel toe. I call it flaps up, lean back and get air because you, you need your head behind mm -hmm. your foot, not in front or over when you get to heel strike. So, okay, let's lean back. But I go, but also you're getting the added benefit of the curve, which is leaning you away from the bar and, and adds quite a bit to your pop but you have to utilize it, right? You know, because if you don't, if you're leaning over here and then right before takeoff, you just bail, you flip your shoulders, <laughs> flip the script and go that way, you've lost that advantage. And now you're back to just one lean. And if you're flipping sideways as you do that, that lean's not going to help you as much either. So I go, you're almost creating your own worst yeah. enemy if you're running a fast curve and leaning away, but then flying right across. Right. So mm -hmm. really interested to see that particular aspect, because I've been saying for a long time now, I think a lot of that is I get some athletes when you show them the curve, they'll just lean at the hips and they'll try to bend mm -hmm. sideways. And I'm like, nah. I go, you, you know, you're going to be leaning at your ankles. Your your whole body is yeah. you over here. You got these wonderful paddles at the bottom of your legs that adjust to all surfaces and they're going to lean with mm -hmm. you. you know, you're going to run on your edges a little bit, but you know, you're mm -hmm. really over here. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying that. I have, uh, you know, I've, I've done the same thing. I, I've, I've named drills just because they know what it is, you know, like as, as mm -hmm. zero, when I do what I call the zero step drill, I was having mm -hmm. them stand there with their plant foot on the ground already and mm -hmm. leaning back, you know, and I, the more I teach it, it's funny. I learn stuff even now mm -hmm. from that drill. And I don't even know where that one came from because my coach used to have us do backovers. The famous mm -hmm. Baru Elias, who was a, a coach out here at a junior college at Long Beach City College. And he would have us always do backovers. Then it was one, three, five, working your way back out. Whenever you started missing two or three times in a row at a height, you'd go, okay, two more steps and you should go right mm -hmm. over. So, okay. I mean, I use all those things to this day. I don't even think about it. That's just the way we do stuff. So, you know, with the zero drill, you were talking mm -hmm. about positions and leaning away. And I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do out of this. And I keep finding interesting stuff out of it because you'll see right away when they don't understand their position. Because I get a jumper who's mm -hmm. I go, just put that foot on the ground, lean back. And then I'll stand there and hold yeah. them up. I go, lean on me. 
I want you to lean all the way over here. Now go through that jump motion. So you're, you were attacked from the other side. I had them leaning on me, jumping this way. I've actually had them run around the pit backwards and pretend the bar was over here and then jump mm. away from the imaginary pit into the pit <laughs> sideways. You know, like I go, are you really going to go that direction? No, but you know, I want you mm. to feel like you're over there. Um, I have an interesting question mm. for you, coach. Um, I just, uh, you know, I do a lot of video analysis. So, um, and something we started, you know, pushing on my site, but, um, I, I do something that um, when I, I'm looking at the, the jumping, I've noticed I like to measure that side lean angle. So I'll drop a vertical down and I have an analyzing thing that'll tell me, oh, they're at say 30 degrees and I'll take that shot straight down the bar. So I know it's pretty much on, you know, it might not be perfect, but it's, it's a decent representation of the sideways lean. And then what I've noticed, and this is harder to quantify because two steps before let's say they're coming my way and I was a left footer. So I see everything left-handed anyway, they're coming to the bar mm. steps before on their left leg, right? The left leg's planted and that's their jump leg. But two steps before takeoff, I see these pretty nice positions, right? I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'll see, I'll see them. I'm like, Hey, this is looking pretty good here. You know, you've dropped into your curve. Everything's good. And I'll measure that. And the only problem with that is it's not quite lined up. You know, it's like, it's farther back. Mm curve so i'm not looking dead down the line at it as far as the circles going like a, not at a tangent you know what i mean to where they're planting their foot so i look over here and i but I, you can still see they're here and then lots of times on that last step they're coming out you know and so that's that's something i've been using when i'm mm -hmm. in film i'll just go hey look at this your you know your not your penultimate but your your last you know, second to last really jump step on your, whatever your takeoff foot is and compare the lean mm -hmm. from one to the other Yeah, and notice that they're, mm -hmm. they're coming out. They're really coming out. Any other tricks you have up your sleeves there, coach? What yeah. are some other, some other ideas? It doesn't have to just be high jump. Some of your yeah, um, going back Going back to high jump, um, one that I do, um, just to kind of show them how you were saying the pressure and the lean back is um, I take two hurdles and I lay them down. And again, my long line of tape is right there. And so I have them hold the hurdles with their hand and I have them get into that lean back with the hip displacement position. And so that's just kind of like a hold it there. And I kind of tell them, do you feel this? And I'm like, drive up from there because it's one video I'm trying to find it. Um, it was a coach and he actually did the pogo stick show where he threw the pogo stick at a certain angle, it bounced in over the high jump. And so I'm consistently telling them about the angles. And so with them holding the two hurdles, that kind of gives them the support. So just kind of like how you mentioned, it just kind of gets me off of them so they feel it on their own. And so they're holding the hurdles. They have, let's say she's a left foot jumper. She has that left foot out in front, that right behind her. And she's able to feel the position that she's in. And then with her feet, being on the tape she sees exactly the correct takeoff position and i was like all right drive up from that and that's when i kind of got behind her just gave her a little assistance pushing up because it's hard to do that from a standstill but um that's one that we did yesterday and that kind of helped her a little bit um some other drills mm, for uh okay bobby he is one of my top jumpers 
He's actually doing a double hitch now. So he actually was a hitch kicker and he would hitch and go into the pipe. And we noticed that we were just kind of losing a lot of airtime. And so I was like, all right, Bobby, you know, it was early in indoor season. I was like, let's try something. And so I put two bungees up. And I said, the first bungee is where your first hitch kick, that right leg should come down, step on the bungee. You're going to cycle the left through. And then the second bungee, that right should hit again. And then we're going to pike. And so I had the two bungees as well as kind of an extra hygiene mat over the pit. So it will force him to stay in the air, that pike. And so, uh, we had been doing that and it definitely helped him. He went from jumping uh 7.21 that was his pr and he finished with the 7.4 right now in meters mm -hmm. so um he's definitely grown with that um to kind of teach the uh first phase i have like a little small pc pipe and just step mm -hmm. over it so um if you're a left foot jumper your left foot is on the board you're taking that right knee up in a block position you're stepping on top of it and then you're stepping over so mm -hmm. you can just kind of see the position work because in triple jump, that first phase, your chest is supposed to be tall. And so day one, I showed them the difference of kicking in the chest fall versus stepping down and the chest is tall. And then we kind of, it's not bad. I mean, we, we do a lot. We do a lot different, but uh, for the most part, they love it. They love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that's, I love outside the box thinking you know it's like um that creativity um I don't know if it worked the same way with you I I was forced into a little bit like you said lack of facilities is something that has become uh kind of an epidemic out here you know tons of tracks and high schools and everything but then with the global epidemic you know uh coronavirus then we were shut down and we couldn't you couldn't go anywhere you couldn't you couldn't get to any of these campuses and their facilities. They were just you know you're gonna you're gonna die if you walked onto campus and trained. So <laughs> it was like you know we didn't we didn't do anything. So you, we were going to parks. You know you're taking little you know hurdles and cones right and doing all your running drills and skips and mm -hmm. bounds and you know running up and down. If you could find any steps anywhere, you know anything that resembled a five or six step mm -hmm. sequence or you know just crazy right so you're it really does force you to yeah. you know to step outside and go okay because it's one thing to come up with a great contraption it's another one to just go okay you know I've been given mm -hmm. nothing here what do I do with it you know so oh my gosh that's annoying but it it does stretch you um I, I was wondering how this worked with you. I had a, a jumper a couple of years back, um, Jack Wiseman, who um, he went to state meet for me here in California and came in third. He won a, the master's meet here, which was the qualifying in the southern section area down here at 610. So he went from 6'6 as a junior to 6'10 in senior year. He's having a great year. We worked really hard, but uh, most people and one of the first super awesome technical glitches of all time that was like a five minute reshuffle okay sorry about that i don't know <laughs> mine mine just came up and gave me a big spinning wheel so um i i shut it down and converted that recording but i'll i'm sure i can put it back together on cap cut later <laughs> technical difficulties we've overcome <laughs> so where were we anyway you were right in the middle of telling us um 
a story. I know it's hard to uh, lift up. Yeah, you were telling me about your uh he he went from six. Oh, six right, right, right. I was telling a story. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> Getting so old, my brain. Um, anyway, the the whole idea of um, you know. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but, uh, you know, I, I have, I have a pretty big ego as an athlete and I'm always like, okay, I know how this works and I can get this to you, you know, and I've been actually teaching now since I was, you know, in, in my early thirties. So it's only shorter career than some of my colleagues, but still going on 26, 27 years, something like that. And you start to learn that, you know, not everybody learns the same way, right? There are some people yeah. that, that hear you, some people watch you, you know, we learned about the, all those different styles from hearing, seeing, writing, kin kinesthetics, you know, there's people that completely are visually oriented and watch everything. And there's other ones when you're talking to them, you can see them looking around and they're, they're really not interested in what you're sure. saying, right? They're going to do it by feel or something else. And you're like, okay, how do I get this, you know, to this athlete? So I, I had Jack and I, I'd seen Jack jump for a couple of years. I tried to recruit him as a freshman at um, a UCLA camp that I was invited to. Six three, you know, wiry, skinny kid, hockey, you know, full of ability. I'm just, I, I loved him. I'm like, this kid's got the perfect mentality. You know, he's ready to go. I tried to recruit him. And of course he was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, like I got this covered. And so I saw him, you know, later on and he'd already jumped jumped six three as a freshman came to the camp then his sophomore year he really struggled and um he he worked with uh he worked with somebody else and they didn't they didn't quite see the eye to eye and then um then he was a little gun shy about hiring on with somebody else you know so mm -hmm. junior year sophomore and junior went by and i'd see him at big meets like hey jack hey coach how's it going you know and just couldn't get him into the fold and then i i finally i had a jumper that i trained that beat him and then he was mm -hmm. like, okay, if this guy can get, you know, this one kid to beat me, then mm -hmm. I guess we'll sign on. And all I kept, what I saw in him all the time was he was too close to the bar, always mm -hmm. too close. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, Jack really forced me to study this because it, it's always been easy for me to see, you know, you just can see a parabola, right? You see somebody go up and you're like, oh, they hooked it with their calves. Their hips were up over the bar, but they're at least a foot behind the bar. I'm like, you're just too close. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to get farther out. Well, that doesn't mm -hmm. always fix it. Sometimes you can just move someone farther out and that's it. And I love that because it's so simple, but it doesn't usually work that way. You know, for whatever reason, it seems like jumpers take off where they take off because that's where they've always taken off and they've never been told to change. And mm -hmm. I've come to realize that once you've established a pattern in your brain, it's mm -hmm. really, really hard to change for a lot of people, for all of us. So it's like, yeah. there's a, I tell everybody, I go, your brain's an amazing supercomputer. It, it calculates forces and angles and this and that and the direction of the sun and the wind and all this mm -hmm. stuff you're not even aware of. And when you mm -hmm. run up and plant your foot, your brain can tell you right away, like, okay, I know he told you to leave your knee up and ride it up like it's an elevator and then get mm -hmm. off the bar. But we're too close right now, so we're just going to have to ditch that plan and go right into layout yeah. <laughs> immediately because there's mm -hmm. no other way they can make the bar. And you're yeah. like, I get it. And then you're like, okay, I got to get you farther out. When you move them, if you are able to get them farther out, many mm -hmm. times they just start bailing harder 
instead of going up. And you're like, okay, that's not working. So, you know, Jack was just like the poster child for that because he would take off and his height would be just unbelievable, way over. He's kicking it off with his heels. He's hooking it with his calves. I'm like, Jack, we got to get farther up. So put a piece mm -hmm. of tape down on the ground. Tape? No, not even. He could not, would not take off. If anything, he'd take off inside the tape, even closer. You know, mm -hmm. tape's no good. Then we put down a piece of foam. Mm -hmm. Foam, no problem. Step right on it, over it, whatever. Wasn't going to get any farther out. So I'm mm -hmm. like, what am I going to do with this kid? And it's driving me crazy because I know all I got to do is increase his distance from the bar and he's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. So finally, I developed a thing I call the roll out the bar drill, which is where I have, I put one bar on the ground mm -hmm. right against the standards. And I go, okay, Jack, have at it, dude. Run up and jump. Mm -hmm. So he comes up and he scissor kicks over five feet. Great. And he's way too close where he is. But I said, now I take the bar and I rolled it one mm -hmm. rotation away. And I said, now run up. Mm -hmm. He looks down at the bar and he goes, well, what if I step on the bar? I said, well, if you step on the bar, you'll probably break your ankle. Yeah. And he's like, okay. So he runs up and jumps out. And I said, now you got to make, I said, here's a piece of tape and here's a cone. Use mm -hmm. whatever you need. But wherever you're at, you're going to have to keep moving back because mm -hmm. you're going to keep doing this. You know, and we kept, and so we did the roll the bar out drill and we mm -hmm. kept moving it farther back. And he was still scissor kicking over five feet and he would drive that leg up. Mm -hmm. and fight it and and eventually i got him about like three and a half four feet out or mm -hmm. out but it was out yeah. and kept making the bar and he fell in love with that drill and after that he was like coach can we put the bar down you know and i'm like <laughs> i go jack it's a great drill but i said but we can't do it during the meet <laughs> you know, <laughs> said, you're not gonna let us put a bar out there so you mm -hmm. know it was, it's really interesting both things like he forced me to come up with the drill mm -hmm. and also it taught me so much about sequencing and the high jump you know like mm -hmm. always been like look straight curve take off flight then lay out mm -hmm. last i said if you're doing if your head's already going back and your toe's still on the ground or mm -hmm. you're up on your toe but your head's still already back i go you're in layout way too early and i mm -hmm. go even if that does work on that particular jump, just picture the bar going up. Yeah. What's, what happens every time you make a jump, miracle or not, the bar goes up. And now mm -hmm. you're going to have to go faster, be leaning more of way, be farther out, mm -hmm. still, you know, trying to hit vertical. And you and I both know it's harder to hit vertical the faster you're running. Yeah. If I'm going to, if I'm already struggling hitting vertical at slower speeds, I'm not going to get better at it <laughs> when I'm going fast. Which is why yeah. you move them out, right? Because if they walk through a little, at least you've got time to get mm -hmm. up to peak height, right? So yeah. I learned all that. I learned about, you know, why they'll ditch their knee drive early. You know, I have people mm -hmm. that just just barely get their knee up and across and they're already throwing their hip hip down. And mm -hmm. going, I'm like, and so I started thinking, well, you know, maybe I'm doing layout work too early, you know, but it, mm -hmm. it all depends on when you get a jumper. And I'm like, I don't like to leave them without a layout, but I've, I've come to a place now where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to take either the ones that are already really bendy, super flexible type mm -hmm. that really don't know how to jump. I've had a rash of those where they, they're they so good in their layout position that mm -hmm. it's 
their go-to move. And I'm like, you know what? I get it. I said, I wished I'd have been that flexible. I didn't have that. I was the rare white guy with hops. So I'm like, I didn't get into that position. I, I couldn't have prayed to get into that position. But yeah. I said, the, the thing that I had going was I learned how to jump and ride that knee all the way up and then fudge the, <laughs> fudge the ending and get away with something. Whereas you have never learned how to jump and you just go into this beautiful position that just clears a lot of stuff for you. But when mm -hmm. the goes up, they get into trouble, right? Yeah. So like, oh my gosh, sequencing and, you know, how long to leave the knee right up and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So out of all the events now, Junina, what's, which one's your favorite? Because you're coaching the jumps, but you said you had sprint experience and all that. So what is the one that you really get excited about? Yeah. So when I was competing, it was long jump. Now coaching is tied between triple jump and high jump. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know why. And like, the funny thing is I didn't have any triple jumpers in my coaching career until this year. Mm -hmm. And so even though I had done it, <clears throat> excuse me, I had never coached it with a one-on-one -on -one athlete. And so um, the athlete Bobby that I'm speaking about, he is a senior. He came back last year to go into grad school. And so he was like, coach, I went to regionals. I want to go back. And I'm like, listen, I'm gonna be honest. I haven't coached a specific triple jumper but I have drills and if you trust me we're gonna do it and so um when I moved to Eastern I was already like four weeks late because they had started school they had started a preseason luckily coach Aaron Tucker he had all the groups kind of putting them through the training and so when I got there I was like Bobby I just need you to forget everything you learned and just start fresh with me because I don't want to be having bad habits that we're trying to fix moving forward. And that kind of just bump. I was like, just trust me. If we fail, I will definitely take all responsibility on me, but I need full trust. And he was like, yeah. okay, coach, I'm giving you full trust. And so what we found out was he was a good triple jumper, but he didn't know the fundamentals behind it and why we were doing this position. He just knew he didn't need to be on the ground long for contact. And so once we started working on first phase and then um, I have an app where it just has a, a rhythm that goes and I'm like bound to this rhythm and it taught him how to hold longer. He's like, coach, it's too slow. And I'm like, nope, we got to find the rhythm guy. We got to do it. And so from that, we started going second to third phase. And then uh, we would do 10, 20, 30 where 10 feet out, 20 feet out, 30 feet out, where we would do all drills. Well, first phase, second phase, third phase, just to kind of show him the hold in between and make sure that each phase is consistent. And then first phase, we got it open to about 17, 18 feet. So indoor season, he put up big numbers. Uh, his best series was done in New Mexico. He started with the 1575 and then went 158. He finished the series with a 15.96, and he went into that meet number 40-something and finished fourth overall. And oh. it was, we was moving. We was gunning for uh, indoor nationals, but it's top 16. He finished top 20 overall. But um, the best thing out of that was he had never won Big Scott. He was always runner-up or third. And um, we were able to kind of put it together and because we had been – perfecting some of the things that weren't there. Um, we had a great series. He was consistent. He wound up winning with the 15.75 and he was just so excited. And I, that just kind of built the story of the trust aspect. Um, mm -hmm. When you talked about finding certain drills for certain athletes, I'm from the country. So certain part of my slang, my athletes don't understand. And so I was like, one thing, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. 
one thing I told myself was, Jill, as a coach, you're going to stay in shape so you can demonstrate because you're going to have athletes who don't understand you or need to see it done. And so I'll demonstrate, even if I don't do it correct, I'll say, hey, I didn't hit the full position, but did you notice this? Or I'll record it so Mm -hmm. they can kind of see what's going on. Or um, I'll try and find a video. I'll ask my mentors to kind of send something. We'll have film sessions. And so with Bobby, we would watch some of his film back. And I'm like, listen, this is the drill that we've been doing. You see this amazing drop step, that first phase, you carried it and everything. Um, With my high jumpers, when I first got them, I like, like you said, I like to go through series. And the first was, I was like, think about doing a layup. I didn't take them to do layups, but what we did was I had them stand by a wall and they basically came from a one step, excuse me, and they had to drive their arm up the wall as well as their knee. And Mm -hmm. so uh, my young ladies, when I asked them like, what's one problem? They was like, oh, I entered the bar too early. I'm like, okay, well, let's just work simple drive up. And so the power skips wasn't really doing it for them because I would tell them, hey, drive up rather than travel forward. But it's a little bit harder to just kind of tell your mind to break a habit that you've been doing since middle school. And so putting them next to that wall, that wall forced them like, okay, if I don't drive up, I'm going to get hit by this wall. (laughs) standing there and happen to drive your arm up the wall the wall was blocking them from entering early and so we did that repeatedly repeatedly and then we just kind of came back and kind of started working with it and then with the knee drive I put two bars up one of them was about four feet and the other one was way up there and I was like I want you to think about a layup as well as the wall drill we did the small bar is for your knee to knock it off. Hold your knee and get up there. The second one is for your hand to be driving up. No, you may not touch it, but just think about getting that hand up. And so at first I was like, coach, this is weird. I don't know. And I'm like, all right, this is how it's supposed to look. So I got out there and I did it. And then they felt confident to do it. And then they went and did it. And we progressed from it. And so um, just started getting them going. You know, uh, I have one young lady who, I'm converting her into a multi and she's never done high jump before. And so I started her with just, uh, I have a mat series where we'll do hip ups to on the ground bridges to fallbacks mm-hmm. where you're on the mat, your hands are up, getting yeah. used to falling back. And then um, I used to have a gymnastics block, but I don't. And so how I started teaching her to fall back a little bit more was literally stand on the mat, squat, roll back, put your hands there like you're doing a learner somersault. Mm -hmm. And she that she started going, started going. I'm like, okay, I'm not finna advance you to a full backflip till you're used to doing this. Um, Got her to the bar, literally put the bar up there. And I said, just jump up and fall back. And so started getting her used to fall back. And I'm like, okay, jump up fall back and pop the hips and she started doing that I'm like okay now the easiest way that I kind of helped her think about it was when we were little growing up and you wanted to hit a backflip excuse me with your friend you would hold your hands out and tell them put your foot in there and you would push them up and the feet will fly out and so I used that demonstration I was like okay so I put her on the jump ramp and I was like this is basically someone holding your foot you're going to explode up push the hips, let allow the head to fall back and bring your legs out the same way you would do if someone was holding your foot. And she did it. And she was just like, so excited. I'm like, you did it. Like, 
we're finally teaching her how to high jump and she was so excited. And so from that, we started doing it and it just kind of helped them. So um, definitely just kind of going at it at different angles. I always tell them hundred percent honesty, like we're going to try new stuff. I'm going to tell you, Hey, if I'm, I'll do this drill so you can see it. If I don't do it right, I can say, this is the part that I messed up on, but this is how it should look and just kind of mm -hmm. help them with um, going through film. But, just trying to maximize their potential, just going through film. I know a bunch of times after the track meet, I'll come home and I'm just like sitting and looking at film and like, okay, we got to write this down. Um, I have a little book that when I give them their workouts, it'll just say jump day, but it doesn't say which drill because I typically get the drills from what we need to fix based off of what we did at the previous meet. So I'll look and I'm like, okay, we weren't really in our curve. Our approach was off. We slowed down in it. So we'll do approach runs. We'll do circle runs. We'll do uh, the new drill that I showed you. Um, for triple jump or long jump, I'll kind of see, okay, we were off in our last two. So we'll do a penultimate step and just kind of meet them where they're at to kind of right. get the drill that's best going to give them that mark. Yeah. That's that's so awesome, Coach. You got a lot of a lot of tools and weapons there. It sounds like, and you know, you're you're what do you call it? I'm saying like you're getting your own. We always talk about people having certain skill sets, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're in the business of giving them a better skill set, and then you're kind of creating <laughs> new your new skill sets on the fly, right? So. That's why I'm always so curious. You know, I've I've been watching, you know, a lot of stuff for a lot of years. To me, Instagram has been, you know, shameless self-plug for Instagram, but it's done so much for me just because I've been able to see stuff. Like I I'm one of those guys, I've been lazy enough. I haven't even gone to they have these out here. They're called um LA84. And uh, uh, a friend of mine, great, great American high jumper, Doug Nordquist, who jumped up at at um you know, uh, Washington state was a mm -hmm. seven, seven plus jumper there, then went to the trials in 84, mm -hmm. you know, made it onto the team, um, with, uh, his distant cousin, Dwight, you know, finished fifth in the final jumped seven, six, I think at the trials, I think he jumped seven, seven, a couple of years later, he jumped two thirty six, and he's been a coach. I've been coaching against Doug for a long time, Played golf against him, typical Olympian. Watched him drive it onto a par four one day. I'm just mm -hmm. like, you Olympians, you're so annoying. So <laughs> he's this great coach, and you know he's running these these awesome curves, and you know um, just learning skills, applying them. But I didn't go to those. He was putting on these clinics, you know, and I didn't went to. I think I've been to one or two now, you know, and um, uh, so. I do. I don't know what it is, but I, I have that hunger. That's like getting in the car, driving all the way to this place, you know, sitting down, trying to find a lecture hall where there's somebody that you either haven't heard or you might be interested in. And, you know, there's there's definite returns on it. This Instagram, I've been able to go all over the world. <laughs> I literally go around the United States and see mm -hmm. what other coaches are doing and mm -hmm. other countries. I've had people send me videos from India where they're literally running and jumping over cattle in a field mm -hmm. somewhere and saying, what do you think? Yeah. Like, well, that's pretty darn good. You know, that looks like <laughs> a real tall cow and yeah. uh, you don't have any shoes and you're on dirt. I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> you know? And so I don't know what to say about that. But then 
Other times I'm in one of the European bloc countries and I'm watching a really great bounding drill where I'm like, oh, I get it, you know? And when I see something, I know what it's for. That's, I'm sure, same thing. I'm like, oh, I know right where I'm going to use that, you know, exactly. So I'm stealing liberally all the time. That's why I'm always trying to listen in on these trainers from the the knees over toes guy to um, any of the speed agility guys. There's a, there's a lot of them right now. I've had a couple on here. Um, I haven't able to get it to, to get Adonis Harris. Mm-hmm. He was going to do one. And then he, he backed out on me a couple of times. And then I saw he was doing his own podcast. So I get it. And he's, he's got a lot more followers than I do, but um, yeah, the, going around and, and kind of getting to peak, you know, mm-hmm. curtain. Is, oh yeah. It's it's and it's fun, you know. Like if I'm gonna waste an hour looking at the feed, that's pretty much what's coming through my because I've got hashtag long jump, high jump, triple jump. So those come by me all the time. Mm-hmm. It's you know once you I think I, I just figured out the more that I network the better. So that's why I try to follow anybody that's a jumper that follows me. I follow them back. Mm-hmm. Figure that's just creating a network. So I'm not like playing the game of hey I've only got. 500 followers and I've got like 800 million and I've got 800 million followers, but I'm only following 500. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I want to follow. I don't want to miss something. <laughs> so yeah, see a training jump or a drill or something. I'd, I'd rather have that coming by, you know, mm-hmm. than, than have to go look for it. So definitely. You- I think that's part of the reason why I made just a uh, jump specific page. Like, um, granted, my jumpers here, I call them flight crew. So uh, take flight. So it's the jumpers. And that's kind of a shindig that we got. But my page is like not private. So anyone in the jump world or in the track and field world, like we can just kind of chat and network. And I did it for exposure for my athletes so they can kind of see stuff, but also like show drills that we're doing for the local high schooler who probably doesn't have a jump coach and is learning off of YouTube. Well, click on the Instagram and here's some more drills you can kind of see. Um, I have some that inbox and like, hey coach, what are you guys looking for? I see your page and it just kind of lets them, let me interact with them, but also, interact as well um like you said all about networking we had the track and field convention down last year in december and i went to a few of the jump synops and i met the colorado state coaches and he did this one high jump drill in the pool and i loved it um got their number every meet we see we sit down and talk now and it's just like that drill helped my girls a lot and so it's all about networking um Saw your page, saw Barb. I was like, yep, following, following. Let's get this going. And so uh, it's just, I'm not a coach that's going to try and hog drills because at the end of the day, we all want our athletes to do what is their best given effort. And so if I'm sitting on a lot of knowledge that could help someone else, I don't feel comfortable doing that. So I'm going to put it out there. So that's that's how I see it. We all want to work together for to get more people involved in watching track and field because our events are pretty amazing. So, <laughs> right, yeah, we've we've also had this discussion many times here on Raised Bar, and if uh, you're you've hung around with us long enough on this particular podcast, we've had a couple of technical difficulties. So, uh, just to let you know where we're at, I'm I'm talking with Jonina Brinson, and um, she's currently the jumps coach at Eastern Washington. Yeah. Right? at Eastern Washington. And, um, we're just talking shop. Um, so if you're, you're listening in and you're interested to hearing about all these drills and everything, that's, 
that's kind of where we've been going. But also this this discussion's come up a bunch of times recently in that we all love our events and we love track and field itself. It's, it's kind of ageless. Like you think, I think Olympics when I think track and field and, and the original Olympics was all track and field stuff. You know, they were throwing the disc, they were throwing the javelin, they were running, they were jumping into the the sand, you know, and, and, and I think they were running around naked for all we know from the old pictures, but it's like, you know, here they are. And this it's been around forever and the pageantry yeah. and everything. I mean, I remember in 84 watching Rayford Johnson walk into the, the Coliseum, you know, the torchbearer, uh, mm-hmm. you know, UCLA great decathlete and uh, just a great ambassador for the sport who unfortunately mm-hmm. just passed away on us a couple of years ago. Um, it just named the, the track after both him and his wife, which was pretty cool. It's Ducky Drake Stadium, who was mm-hmm. one of the coaches there and I think was the coach of him when he was mm-hmm. competing and then now named after Rafer, but you know, the majesty, the pageantry, all this great stuff. But here in the United States now, it's like, we see it once every four years, Mm. you know, and if you're, you lucky, you catch the NC2As, it's on a week or two time delay, you know, there's no exposure to the sport. Mm. And it's, you know, just not even about the money issue, although it would be nice to to see more money start flowing downhill and, and get everybody hardworking coaches like yourselves and 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 me paid more like mm-hmm. ball coaches the basketball coaches the soccer coaches the t- pick your sport i i was amazed i i don't know you know and this isn't a, a money numbers thing trying to figure out what you make but i you know as a teacher i make a lot more money than i i can make right now as a coach so mm-hmm. i i look at it and i go i interviewed for a, a couple jobs last year and you know, out here on the coast and they wanted to pay a part-time position, but five mm-hmm. days a week, five hours, whatever a day, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm a school teacher. I don't get done till three. Second, mm-hmm. they're offering to pay like $25,000 for all the jumps and the multis. And I'm like, mm-hmm. going, that's crazy. You know, I mean, it's not that it's not, and not a doable job, but it's mm-hmm. just, you know, you're looking at it going, that's, if you were a student, or you're you're trying to do what you and I are doing as a profession. How are you gonna twenty five thousand dollars? You have to another job. You're you're almost paying them to come. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like by the time you drive certain places, right? Or it's like we've all got expenses. Prices are up on everything. Yeah. You know? So you know we must love it, right? But it's yeah. like I I think the same. I'm like this is an incredible uh, athletic feats. There's it's all going on, but we such a terrible terrible job of marketing and you know developing the what this has got going on you know when i was in college it was still it was bigger but i remember saying even back in the late 80s early 90s and we still were cranking out some olympic gold medalists and you know the u.s men's team was dominant you know mm-hmm. we won a lot of those medals that the jamaicans were winning and you know carl lewis was the man the 100 the 200 long jump you know, we had yeah. guys, John Smith was cranking out, you know, 400 meter, you know, Steve Lewis wins a gold, another UCLA athlete friend of mine, Kevin Young wins the 400 meter hurdles, world mm-hmm. records, you know, incredible stuff. But yet, none of those guys really is able to make a ton of money out of yeah. that, like you would in any other sport, you know, yeah. in any other sport, I mean, every other sport. <laughs> why is that? Why are we, why are we getting short changed? Yeah. Oh my goodness. 
We're fighting an uphill battle, Junina. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I, I never really understand that because it's like you know, in track and field, it's so much more. Like you, some people, the naked eye would look and be like, "Oh, that's easy," and I'm like, "Okay, come out here and try it." You know, like it's right. so much technical work or so much detailed, and it doesn't just take thirty minutes to do it. Like you have to have time and repetition. But I feel like such is is just such a grind hard sport that uh soon once you're in the profession you just kind of know the pay is going to be the pay like sometimes you have to let your passion go over it mm -hmm. and just know that you're in it more so because of the benefit of you're doing something you love but also that extra benefit of helping student athletes grow in the world and so um sometimes when it comes down to pay I just tell myself hey you get to wake up and do something you love you're not at this place where you're unhappy, you wake up, you get to impact the young generation, have conversations with them, um, take them to places of the world that they probably never see, uh, help them hit right. marks that they probably never do. And so um, that's just kind of how I turn my mind off of it. Um, I'm young. So eventually, if I do need to change professions to make more money, I can do it. But um, right now, I just know, I, I mean, I tell myself, it's kind of the aspect you're in, you're in a grind hard, get the job done sport where you're going to be doing more work with not the correct pay, but it is what it is. Cause if everyone was able to do their passion, some people will probably just want to be a stay at home person and just make a certain dollar amount. And right. actually that can't happen all the time. So I just kind of tell myself, listen, the grind is there, go get the job done and wake up to do what you love. But yeah, track and field is such like a a sport that everyone can compete in. And so the revenue should be higher. The pay should be higher because it's a sport that everyone can participate in. Um, throwers, you have sprinters, you have jumpers, like the masters. It doesn't have a certain age cut off. You hear about basketball, football, soccer uh, athletes, they're retiring at a certain age. Track and field, you can retire and then decide to come back and compete in the Masters. So it's yeah. not like a shutdown for forever type thing. So yeah. definitely. Yeah. It's an untapped uh, market I've, I've found this year with uh, Masters competitors because I had mm -hmm. one guy get in touch with me, uh, Dr. Jim, if you're listening in. Jim Baker, he's he's a, a hospice doctor in on the East Coast. And he got in touch with me and actually, you know, he has roots out here. And he came mm -hmm. out there. He said he used to jump. Uh, Dwight Stones used to try to teach him how to high jump when he was in high school. And they mm -hmm. were in high school together. Um, so I'm aging you now, Dwight. But um, he he was, uh, you know, he would call Jim over. And Jim was a distance runner. And he would be like, hey, come over here and try this. Because he's, you know, relatively tall. And, you know, he's, he's showing him a couple things. And now Jim gets in touch with me and goes, I'm 70 years old. And I want to break the 70-year-old high jump record. And I'm like, mm -hmm it's work, man. Let's go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's so cool. Like you said, you've got, you know, different, um, things going on. There's the Paralympic, Paralympian, mm -hmm. you know, I love watching them had an opportunity to work with a, a young Paralympic athlete just recently. And, mm -hmm. you know, you talk about dedication and, you know, overcoming obstacles and things like that. It's just amazing. So, you know, there's so much going on in our sport, but it's just not, you know, it's just not promoted well enough. I'd like to see yeah. it be more prominent, you know? Yeah. Well, hey, listen, Jonia, it's, uh, this has been a blast. We have to do this again. I'm, I'm running up against my time limits. Um, but 
please, uh, I want to extend the invitation to get you back on here. And now that uh, you and I have talked and talked our uh, little bit of shop, I would love to do this again. Um, I, I found some some real gems. You, um, my my buddy Mike Ashton, now the the jumps coach at um, Utah Valley. You want to look up a, a guy doing some great work, um, and just uh, you know, again, these you you young coaches with all this energy and you know putting your passion into these young athletes. It's just great, and I'm seeing you know, the results and, you know, uh, high energy, you know, but after I got done talking with Mike, I was like, I got, I got to, I got to go out and practice. I got to, and you're going to be fired up. I'm, I'm going to be 60 next year. And I still do just a little bit of demonstrating, you know, usually the bar is pretty low, but uh, you know, I can, Mm -hmm. I can still get, (laughs) say, Hey, drive your knee up, you know, do this, do that. Um, Next time, maybe we'll, we'll talk about some more, uh, some more technique. I, I'm very curious to hear the two events that you picked are the two most technical, I think mm-hmm. the high jump and the triple other than, you know, I think the pole vault is yeah. incredibly technical. And when it comes to throwing, I think javelin first and possibly mm-hmm. hammer, <laughs> hammer is, is a real interesting mm-hmm. one too, but, and that's like, that lends itself to what you said too, where, you know, for the average person watching, and this is why I don't understand why it isn't done better. Um, Cause mm-hmm. I'm a golf, I'm a golf fan. I'm a, I'm a golfer too. And, and if I can watch and granted golfing is, <laughs> it is boring for most people to watch. I watch the masters cause it's beautiful. And I'm sure mm-hmm. you're to that cause you're from that area, but the, the masters on TV is amazing and it's an amazing golf course. And it's just the best golfers in the world, but you know, the week to week tour grind, you know, there's some nice courses and everything, but it's just like, it's not that exciting to watch, but those guys in the truck, you know, mm-hmm. hey, cut to camera four, you know, this guy just chipped in for birdie. Hey, come over here. This guy just hit this monster drive over the water, landed mm-hmm. in the fairway. And if they can make golf exciting, mm-hmm. <laughs> doing that, how easy would it be to go to a meet? Because you and I both know if you're up at a track meet, there's like 20 things going on at once. Mm-hmm. Know, it might be a buzz in the crowd because they're getting ready to finally run, you know, the men's and women's hundred meters you mm-hmm. know, or the relays coming up or whatever. But then while that's going on, you look over and here comes somebody running down the runway and they pull ball and you mm-hmm. look over here and there's somebody throwing a shot put. And then you mm-hmm. see a traveling over here and then you see something, you know, and you're like, and then there's already people running around the track, laps and laps, mm-hmm. and laps you know, it's like, it's like a three ring circus yeah. and you need somebody that understands that and mm-hmm. can package it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's go, Hey, this should be easy, not difficult. Yeah. You know, I I listen to the guys call those meets still, and and you know the they have these two announcers talking, and they're doing every lap of the ten thousand meters, and you're like, dude, really? Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna talk to me for thirty minutes? Yeah. Can we cut to another event and then come oh, back yeah. and go so and so leading? You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Yes. Man, the favorite part is when you hear the clap going in the crowd and you're like, oh my goodness, please let me see the jump. And they're showing like the 10K, lap five. And I'm like, please <laughs> just go to the jump so we can see right. it. But no, definitely. Uh, one thing we did at my previous school was when we hosted a home meet, um, it was during the COVID area. And so we just kind of set up a bunch of different laptops and we focused it at each field event. So you can kind of click the different link and see what's going on because 
I mean, the field events, you you hear the clap. You know what's going on when someone starts the clap. Yeah. You want to be a part of that memory. Like, let us just see it. So yeah. definitely, we have a lot to grow with it. Well, I love it, Jonina. I love listening to you, your passion, your energy for it. And you have a ton of ideas. I would like to make you one of the, the new ambassadors for how to uh, rectify everything that's wrong with our sport. Because you're... <laughs> You definitely think outside the box and it sounds like you have your way of getting things done. So um, let's do this again soon. If you, yeah. if you can find the time, I really appreciate you, you taking time out from your busy day, coaching those young athletes and and sharing your, your energy and your passion and your knowledge with us. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. And I would love to come back. All right. Okay. Jonina, have a great day. Have fun training those guys. Keep them warm. I've only been up to Washington once, but I know it's still got to be cold up there. We we just started getting heat down here, but uh, I told this story once before. I went up for my Pac-10s my sophomore year, and it was at Washington State. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was in May, and it was cold. Yeah. Um, we were down here, and it was 85, and we went up there. Mm-hmm. And it was just like it was 52 or something, gunmetal gray skies. And the sun came out of a hole in the clouds. And I'm not kidding. People started putting out lawn chairs and laying out <laughs> on the front lawns. I was like, oh, my gosh, I am in another <laughs> world. Indeed. All right. Well, hey, take care. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much again. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. And that finishes up our visit with Jonina Brinson. She is the uh, jumps coach at Eastern Washington University. Um Wow, what a what a great time! She's uh, she's very personable, very knowledgeable, um, very creative, outside the box thinker. Uh, seems like she has a way of getting uh, her ideas done and and get everything across to her athletes. And so, I would highly recommend uh, following her if you get a minute on Instagram. Um, and uh, I'll make sure I put her link up in the bio on uh, the podcast. So. Um, interesting, creative, and uh, a lot of energy. So thanks again to Jonina Brinson joining us today here on Raise the Bar. Um, I'm your host, Troy Haynes, saying um, goodbye until next time. Remember to continue to raise that bar as you train, as you work, as you do what you do, um, always striving for better and higher. So keep raising the bar and we'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye.